It's something for nothing. The Rush Fan Cast. Jerry and Steve with you. Jerry, how's it going? It's going great, Steve. How's it going with you? It's going great. My body is ravaged from the hike we did the other day. <laughs> we did a hike in honor of Neil Peart, and we went to a place called Sunfish Pond, and it was a tough hike. It was a tough hike. Part of the trail was the Appalachian Trail, and it was just a boulder-strewn <laughs> glacial path it was the weirdest i can't imagine walking the appalachian trail and having to traverse places like that for miles and miles and miles it was rough it was rough it was rough neil would have been proud though i think he would have been proud yeah i wish my ankles were more proud though because they were pretty weak (laughs) you can find us on twitter we are at rush fancast instagram find us at the rush cast email jerry the rushcast at gmail.com Lex, of course, did the bass intro and outro. Find us on your favorite podcast app. And Jerry, I hear you have a great long email for us today. Yeah, it's a little longer than some. Uh, it's from Todd. What's up, Todd? He says, thanks for a great episode on the Live and YYZ concert. This recording is truly essential to any fan of the band. That said, I have to take issue with Steve's assertion that this recording is better than Exit Stage Left. Uh-oh. So, I mean, I agreed with you at the end, so... It's really a, a beef with both of us. Yeah, but I kind of forced you into it. No, I, I, I came to that conclusion of my own accord. You can't force me to do anything, Steve. And then he goes, Steve, seriously, you must be on the Thailand Express. While Exit Stage Left is both the album that introduced me to the band and my all-time favorite Desert Island album, I think my opinion is rooted in more than just lingering sentimentality. Exit Stage Left represents a collection of the best live performances of some of the band's best and most influential work from the period immediately following 2112 and All the World's a Stage. To my ears, Exit Stage Left contains the definitive versions of some of Rush's best and most beloved songs. Jacob's Ladder, Brune's Bane, The Trees, Xanadu, Free Will, and La Villa Strangiato. Not to mention A Passage to Bangkok, which, if not one of their best, is at least one of their most beloved. This alone makes Exit Stage Left an essential album for any fan of the band, or of progressive rock. All that, and we also get strong live versions of The Spirit of Radio, Red Barchetta, YYZ, Closer to the Heart, and Beneath, Between, and Behind. While I am overjoyed to finally have a high-quality recording of the entire set from the Moving Pictures Tour, it is not hard to understand why none of these recordings made the cut when they were assembling Exit Stage Left. To my ears, only YYZ, Free Will, and Tom Sawyer from The Toronto Show are arguably as good as the versions that were ultimately selected. All the others have relatively minor flaws that I'm sure conflicted with the band's perfectionist tendencies at the time. I also feel like the audience response was surprisingly lukewarm for many songs, as if the long-term hometown fans were outnumbered by the newbies who were there to hear the spirit of radio, Tom Sawyer, and maybe Limelight. But you know, the boosting of the crowd, I think, is a usual kind of live album post-production thing right oh sure oh sure so since this was a straight live album of one concert it has the usual amount of concert goer interaction right right is there more oh yeah there's more steve yes live in yyz is better in at least one regard it contains the entire show due to the time restrictions of the double album format many gems were emitted from exit stage left the prelude and armageddon movements from hemispheres natural science limelight and the camera eye 
though the recording of the camera eye contains perhaps the most egregious mistakes I have heard on a Rush release. When Lee's Oberheim part gets out of sync with Peart's drums both times through. No wonder this recording didn't make the cut as great as the piece is. And that's something I didn't even notice. No, I didn't notice that either. My guess is that the sections from Hemispheres almost made the cut. Jacob's Ladder was picked over Natural Science, Tom Sawyer was picked over Limelight, and the camera eye didn't meet their performance standards at the time. And of course, older tracks that had already been released on all the worlds of stage went straight to the vault. And yes, the sound quality and mix might be slightly better than Exit Stage Left. Presumably, the 40-year-old analog tapes were processed through the highest end digital tools this time around, with Terry Brown under much less time pressure. However, I would argue that sound quality isn't a big driver for most people, unless it is really, really poor. The Beatles and the Rolling Stones have millions of diehard fans, despite their most popular albums having been recorded on equipment that was appallingly primitive by today's standards. Which is true. Very true. So we must agree to disagree on which live album is best. I suspect we will all agree that both Exit, Stage Left, and YYZ are essential recordings for any Rush fan, as are the live recordings from the Permanent Waves 40th release. Jerry, lunch is on me the next time you're in the Boston area, but Steve, you're buying the beer. What? I get the free lunch. I don't know what you're going to do, but you also have to buy beer. Wow. (laughs) He's not buying me lunch? Is that the punishment for not liking Exit Stage Left better? Maybe he'll get you an appetizer, but the full lunch, no deal. I was just going to say some nice things, and I don't think I'm going to do it now. (laughs) So he's taking the greatest hits approach to Exit Stage Left. It's kind of like the greatest hits from the Moving Pictures Tour. The best recording of Red Barchetta, the best recording of Tom Sawyer from that tour, all mashed together to make one great album. But it is a great album. I I can't argue with that. Right. But I think it's better in the respect that it's, like you said, it's the entire show. And that just makes it a better album in my estimation. Well, like I said, I don't notice those little tiny little flaws like Todd does. I just don't notice them. So it doesn't bother me. Right. I just have to go. I didn't, I didn't go back and listen to the camera eye to see if I heard it. Next time I listen to it, I'll, I'll see if it pops out. But I just think that's what makes live and YYZ so great. It's a full show with the flaws. I mean, no show is perfect, right? Yeah, I guess so. I didn't hear anything though. I listened to that album like eight or 10 times. I didn't hear any flubs, but. Well, luckily you don't drink beer, Jer. So when we go out to lunch with Todd, at least I won't have to buy you a beer. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) One more thing before we get to our guest, Jer. Yes. Our friend Maya Wynn has something very cool and new on her website that we wanted to mention, correct? That is true. She has t-shirts for her song, Old Strings, which are available on her website. And it contains the line, I feel like old strings, my mind just won't stretch the way it used to. And you can find it on her website, mayawin.com. You scroll down and there's a link that says old strings t-shirts. So these are not envy of none t-shirts. These are old strings t-shirts. This is Maya's song, and her t-shirts. Cool. Yeah. There's also a hoodie and a mug. I like the mug. It's got a nice color. I can't wait to get the shirt. It's, it's going to be cool. Yeah. So Jared, today on the Rush Fan Cast, we're thrilled to have the man behind the Sunlight on Chrome initiative. This was created soon after the passing of Neil Peart to raise funds to help fight brain cancer. Bill Wallace, welcome to the Rush Fan Cast. 
Hey, listen, guys, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this effort I've been working on for the past couple of years. So, Bill, we like to start out by asking our guests their Rush origin story. When did you first hear Rush and how did you become a fan? All right. So obviously in high school, I'm like 56 years old and 84-ish, 83-ish, right? And I got friendly with a couple of guys who really loved Rush. We started driving around in the afternoons and it was on the radio. And uh, after school, it's what you do. You get in the car, you blare it, and you go around town. And that's all you do for the next two hours, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and, and so as time progressed, of course, I would follow the band and every new album that comes out, of course, you get it right. So I'd gotten Roll of Bones, I forget what year that was. And soon after that, um, I moved to California and I kind of lost track of the band. And maybe it was Test for Echo, I forget uh, which one it was. But then, of course, there was this massive hiatus and I never really knew. And back then, early 90s or so, don't really have internet usage and I was busy with work and life. I didn't really know what had happened. And then, you know, Vapor Trails comes out. And so from that point forward, I became even more immersive fan. Why do you think that was after Vapor Trails? Uh, well, when I found out that he had lost his wife um, and daughter, that was kind of, it touched me in a really deep way. And the reason for that is, Around that time, my family was in a horrible car accident. Fortunately, they're all fine. But I saw myself at that dark precipice that he was at. And I'm not quite sure how I could have come back from such a tragedy, but yet he did. And so there was this a connection that I had felt with him, his lyrics, etc. So, Bill, tell us how the Sunlight on Chrome initiative got started. Was it Neil's battle with cancer that was the inspiration for this? Well, um, after reading a, a Ghost Rider, I had always wanted to, you know, ride a motorcycle. And having read that there was his his stories that most really that was a sad story, but his other stories of motorcycle adventure riding are less sad, I'll say. And I decided, you know what, I'm getting a bike. And so I got a motorcycle. I've been riding that for 17 years and I just love it. It's just such fun. It's just such fun. Um, and so when he passed, I knew he was such an avid motorcyclist. Uh, I was like, uh, listen, and, and you see all these ads for these charity rides, these toy runs, et cetera. And I was like, you know what? Many people will do things to honor him in their own ways. And because his recounting of his stories in terms of motorcycle riding inspired me to ride. And it's such a great joy in my life. So you know what? That's how I will work to honor him and, and honor his memory. I will try to you know, have these motorcycle rides to raise money to fight brain cancer, what, what had taken him from us. And so you started the foundation, but COVID kind of threw us a plank of wood in the spoke, so to speak, right? Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not as savvy with the social media stuff as some other people are. And I said, okay, I can make a Twitter account, I guess. And, and I guess, and you start doing this and, you know, not being really savvy with that. I didn't quite know how to do that. I would post a picture here and there. And at one point I started making some memes, I guess they call them the picture with the words at the top of them. And I really focus on, there's so many pictures out there of Neil riding his motorcycle. And so I would use those as a backdrop to these ideas. And so I, at one point there was someone, and I forget his name, said it's been two years ago or so that he actually jumped in and started helping me make some memes as well, because I was sending emails all the time to these motorcycle clubs trying to get buy-in from them. It just became too much for me to do. And so we had had some good momentum with things, but as you mentioned, COVID hit, and then we just had to put it all to a standstill. Now, was the first event supposed to be 
just an in-person motorcycle ride in one specific spot? So what was happening is um, I was trying to get the motorcycle clubs and shops to have events on the same day. And I was going to have it be like September 12th of whatever the year that was going to be. But it turned to be, out to be more complicated trying to have everyone be available the same kind of day for things. I said, you know, this guys, it doesn't really matter. Just do a thing and just donate to the cause. And so we had that building. And while that was going on, um, I decided to have a, a more virtual event for the followers in the Twitter world because they're really not motorcycle enthusiasts. They're rush fans. And, you know, it made sense to give them a chance to participate, be part of the process. And so I made up an event, which I called Virtuality after one of their songs, because mm-hmm. it was a more virtual event. Um, this was before COVID, but it was a more virtual event where people would just go out and do their own thing. And they would post a picture and some guys went for a hike. Some people did motorcycle trips. Um, some people ran, I think, a, like, like a treadmill, et cetera. Okay? Um, and they donated just to be part of, of the community of doing this. And that first event, was planned to be a virtual thing. Yeah, on your uh, Facebook page, you have a list of the various activities that Neil was involved in. And of course, there are a lot, right? Right. Mm -hmm. He was a a Renaissance man, as everybody knows. So with this upcoming event, people can really participate in any way that they want to in any area that they think that Neil would appreciate, right? Exactly. Uh, The world's their oyster, as they say, right? You know, and, and when I first started in the Twitter uh, account to build momentum for this event here, I listed you know, bird watching and going for a hike. And then, 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 then someone said, well, can I just listen to Rush for 29 minutes? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an easy one. I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> do that anyway. <laughs> but yeah, it's true. It's it, it, it really just a way to, I'll say, rally around his memory. Um, and do maybe do a little good in the process of maybe trying to raise some funds for the cancer that took his life. You saw my post about Jerry and I taking a hike to Sunfish Pond in the Delaware Water Gap. And you said to me, this is exactly the type of thing that I want people to do on the weekend of July 29th. Right. So now we have to do it again. <laughs> do we, Steve? Do we have to do that again? <laughs> um, actually... You asked me earlier what my connection with Neil was, and I forgot all about this this other thing. There was one point when I had the chance to see them front row, PNC, a handful of years back. And without going into all the details, I wore a T-shirt. Neil saw it. He sent, I think it was Mike, to me with a set of drumsticks. So that was a cool moment in my life. (laughs) What was the T-shirt? What did it say? Okay, well, it said, go to magic show. And for those who have read any of his books, I think it was traveling music or maybe it may be roadshow. He talked about riding his motorcycle and he wanted, he, he would love to have the opportunity to set his GPS to go to the magic show rather than going to the Dunkin' Donuts. Mm-hmm. The, the, the magic show was in his mind, the best show of a tour. Everything was right. The lights, the camera, the crews, you know, the music, the sound, the audience. That was in his mind the best show. He called it the magic show. And since I'm seeing front row the first time ever, right? I, I want it to be the best show. So I wrote, go to magic show. And I guess he saw it and said, hey, I'll get that guy some sticks. So here are the drumsticks I got. Oh, wow. I'll put them in a shadow box. Oh, that's awesome. They're awesome. 
I mean, it was really, really was a moment. <laughs> Neil did that all the time, Bill. He would yep. he would have his roadies pick out people in the audience with shirts and signs and stuff that he liked, yep. and he would send them sticks. That's very yep. cool that he did that for you. Yep. Yep. And and actually, as 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 another side here, so I went, I I, I got those those tickets. I won them at a concert. I mean, I don't know, like, like radio thing, okay. And then my buddy wanted to see him front row as well. He didn't go that one time, so he bought tickets, and I went with him front row. He made his own T-shirt. Okay, something to do with um, Chef Elwood's Bird Brain Cafe, which which was a comment that Neil had one of his books about about feeding the birds and whatnot. Okay, Uh dude came down, gave him sticks too. That was like 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 two years later. (laughs) So it really worked well that that approach. We should have made shirts, Steve. You never knew. Yeah, but I didn't know that Neil did that. If I knew Neil did that, I would have done it. Well, you didn't know either. You, it was a surprise, I'm sure. Yeah, right? I, did, I, I, I wasn't planning on that. I just want to say, hey, guy, how you doing? Like your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, it is cool. So this event is going to happen on the weekend of July 29th, correct? Because that was the date Neil joined Rush. Correct. And it also happens to be Getty Lee's 69th birthday. That is true. In an odd thing of irony, it's my wife and I's anniversary, the 29th of July. Oh, wow. (laughs) It wasn't planned that way. So, Bill, how can Rush fans get involved in this? Where can they go to donate? Well, uh, the easiest thing to do might be just to follow the Sunlight on Chrome Twitter page, which is at Sunlight on Chrome, but there's no O in the Chrome. So it's C-H-R-M-E. Um, and really, that's that's really where most of the activity is these days. Um, I do have Twitter and Facebook, but it's tedious keeping track of all the accounts. And since most followers are in Twitter, that's kind of where I focus my attention there. Um, so again, that's Sunlight on Chrome without the O. And you can also find you on Facebook and on Instagram. Right. I, I do some things in Facebook, Instagram, but it's not as as frequent as the as a Twitter account. And all the proceeds benefit the American Brain Tumor Association. That's correct. Right. This fundraising event is through their website. We're just, you know, um, I'll say pushing it out there and make, and, and we made it available and the funds go directly to them. So Bill, you mentioned that the 29th is your anniversary. What are you going to be doing on this weekend to honor Neil? So, yeah, when I first mentioned to the missus I was doing this, she said, oh, on our weekend anniversary, <laughs> anniversary weekend, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm likely going to be taking a 290 mile motorcycle ride. Wow! Uh, and and it, it's going to be a, a longish day, but I'll do it. And 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 it's possible that I might take the drumsticks I mentioned earlier back to their home, which was uh, I got them at the Snakes and Arrows um, concert. And Snakes and Arrows was recorded um, in the Lair Studios up in the Catskills area. And huh. so I might head up there and just take a picture of them sitting in the grass at the driveway leading up to the place. That's interesting. Where did you see that show? That's Nick's narrow show. That was PNC, New Jersey. We were at that show, Steve. We certainly were. We certainly yeah. were. All right. So on your page, you mentioned Neil's quote, what's the most excellent thing I can do today? What does that phrase mean to you? Well, sadly, live every day like it could be your last because you never know. And if you squander opportunities to do fun things, good things, healthy things, family things, that string might run out on you. And Neil lived his life that way every day, I think. Yep. Another phrase that comes to mind, Bill, when we think of sunlight on Chrome is the line from Red Barchetta, 
the thrill of the landscape, every nerve aware. That's what we're going for here on this weekend, right? That's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. When I first thought of this idea, I tossed around many ideas for how to, what name in a, is free will. And I, I forget what the ideas I had. And there's a friend of mine said, well, how about just sell it on Chrome? I said, oh, that's it. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, especially for a motorcycle, right? Exactly, exactly. So, Jared, this question is for you. What are we going to do on the weekend of July 29th to honor Neil? Now that we've done our hike, we have to do something else. I don't know. What do you want to do? Let me look at my calendar, see what I have going on. <laughs> I was thinking I could bird watch and I could pick out 29 birds and then I won't be in any pain after that. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on how heavy the binoculars are, Steve. You might hurt your neck. <laughs> and you guys said you were at the uh, at Sunfish Pond up there? Yes, yes, at the Delaware Water Gap. If you hike around the backside of it, there's a really nice alcove where people have built little rock structures and many are reminiscent of the rock structure. I forget the, the, the totem of sorts on test for echo. Oh, wow. From the backside of that, that trail. You know, we didn't go around the backside because as we were walking around, we met someone on the trail who told us that he just saw two bears on the other side of the pond eating blueberries. Okay. <laughs> we were like, I guess we're not going to go. They like blueberries. We won't be going over there. <laughs> Pretty good. Well, Bill, thanks so much for joining us today. I think Neil Peart would be very proud of what you're doing here. It's just the type of event that I think would make him smile. Thanks so much for doing this, and thanks for joining us. Hey, listen, thank you for giving me the chance. I really do appreciate your time. So, Jar, I am always amazed by how many people are inspired by Neil Peart to do great things for the community. This is just another one. Yeah, it is, it is amazing, because he was also inspired to even take up motorcycle riding. Yeah. In general, so that's pretty cool too. Yeah, what's the most excellent thing I can do today? That's the way Bill leads his life every day, and I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that before, what that phrase means to different people. It doesn't always have to mean go out and do something, you know, phenomenal that's going to be recognized by other people. It can be, usually for me, the, the most excellent thing I can do today is, you know, hang out with my daughters and watch TV. That's one of my favorite things to do, so. Yeah, but if your daughters aren't around, Watching TV by yourself isn't the greatest thing, so go out and no. take a hike, right? That's right. I just mean that, you know, it doesn't have to, if people think that their lives, you know, aren't big enough to do something exceptional on a daily basis, I, I don't think that's true. Oh, absolutely. I think people can find meaning where they find it and that they should celebrate that. If it's excellent to you, that's good enough for me, right? That's right. So, Jared, before we go, we have a couple of loose ends to tie up. <laughs> That's true. Loose ends. We're proud to bring back our friend Derek Bacharach, who joined us on episode 150 for our trivia episode. Thanks for coming back, Derek. No problem. A couple of trivia questions you asked on the episode we needed to clear up. The first one, what was the question again about the Starman? The question was, how many album sizes does he appear on for other album covers after 2112. And I said two, which was wrong. You wanted to say four because you said Hemisphere is Apollo. We know that. And I point out moving pictures, both front and back. And then you said, hey, what about exit stage left on the back cover? Right, that's true. So I looked this up and it's not the same model. It's a different person. 
on the exit stage left album. Yes, he's more balding than our model that appears in the other guy. You'll see they're actually both carrying the same painting you know, on the Moving Pictures album, but it turns out it's that other model. But this doesn't affect the score in any way, so I still win, right? Oh, yeah, 16 to 12. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a rematch someday, I'm sure. And the other thing was, Derek, you asked a question at the end of the episode for our listeners. So why don't you tell us what that question was one more time? Sure. The question was, uh, we know that Red Barchetta has a certain style of guitar at the beginning that fades in and ends also. And Jerry pointed out it's something called harmonics. There's another song I know of that has harmonics on it too and that was a question i asked which rush song has this and the answer is hemisphere is the prelude it's two minutes in and the harmonics part ends and i think jerry may know this answer because that's right where neil hits the triangle <laughs> right he did this you might have noticed this when you were on stage that time yep that they were doing harmonics with that song well, Jerry got quite a few emails on this subject. Did you not, Jer? I did get quite a few emails on the subject. Evidently, there are harmonics all over the place in a whole bunch of different songs. So not only a few people said hemispheres, but I have a list of all of the songs that people say harmonics appear on. So I'll just go through them. First one is before and after. So at the beginning of before and after, people saying that's harmonics. Lakeside Park, obviously, the dun, 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 at the end, in Discovery on 2112, the Twilight Zone, like you said, uh, Hemispheres, Prelude, different strings at the end, boom, boom, that part, Natural Science, Limelight, I think someone said in the solo, he does some harmonics, like you said, Red Barchetta, Subdivisions, I don't know where it is in Subdivisions, Red Sector A, Kid Gloves, Between the Wheels, Open Secrets, Chain Lightning, Limbo, Ceiling Unlimited, Secret Touch, Freeze, Headlong Flight, YYZ, Getty Does Harmonics, Totem, <laughs> Manhattan Project, The Big Money, and Panacea from the Fountain of Lameth. The look on Derek's face while you were reading that list is just, <laughs> man, my trivia question was just blown to smithereens. <laughs> humbling to see how budding of a guitar player I am to only pick up on one song out of all. <laughs> I have a long way to go listening to this kind of stuff on when I'm listening to a Rush song. I'm going to have to listen to these songs. I might even make, who knows, make a, make, a, make a Rush harmonics playlist on Spotify just to see uh, if this is all true and to my ears. Well, hang on a second. One of our listeners, Mr. Belanger, put together a compilation of 20 of these harmonics and we're going to play that right now how crazy is this
How about that, Derek? Oh my gosh. Boy, that puts me to shame. <laughs> but, you, but you know, even Mr. Belanger, according to the emails I got, didn't have four songs on there. Totem, Manhattan Project, Big Money, and Panacea. So who knows how many other songs? Yeah, did Nathan Santos, did he did he chime in with this? Because he knows so much about music theory and everything. Did he bring up? He didn't. I should email him. Maybe he can give us the definitive list. Maybe it's every song. He's the music professor. He should know all of them. You know, he can verify everything, right? I'm the wrong. We should just have Nathan listen to every Rush song and write them all down. <laughs> he has nothing yeah. better to do. Definitely. <laughs> well, Derek, thanks again so much for joining us on this episode. Did you get any feedback on the episode? Just on Twitter, a few people like challenge me some trivia questions, like say, hey, what uh, what does this person say at this time? You know, what's the spoken word part on camera? I at what, you know, time, you know, exactly when is it? You know, just throwing some trivia questions at me. That was it. I didn't really get much, much pushback, like saying I'm an imposter. I don't know what I'm talking about. That was the thing that surprised me. I thought that I was going to get a bunch of emails. How could you not know the answer to this? How could you not know the answer to that? But it was the opposite. People felt bad for me. You got hosed, Steve. Those were hard questions. <laughs> and they were hard questions. They were great questions, Derek, but they were really difficult. Even one of our favorite guests, Jared Schofer, he emailed and said, some of those questions I didn't know. And he's a humongous Rush fan, obviously. So. Yeah, I think that uh, some of those, I was expecting to be a lot more feedback too. I think it just kind of shows that Rush fans are forgiving. Oh, absolutely. Obviously, this, people still listen to the show. <laughs> just like I forgave you, Derek, for asking me all those hard questions. <laughs> I'll know what to ask next, believe me. On episode 300, we'll have you back for another trivia episode. Great, can't wait. Derek, thanks a lot. All right, take care, guys. And Jared, the other loose end we had to tie up is the results from our Playlist Wars episode. Remember we were on Playlist Wars? Yeah, that was a while ago. I've been waiting patiently. <laughs> the episode of Playlist Wars was the May 31st episode. In case you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. And then they did a results episode on July 12th, and the results are in. Are you ready? I'm ready, Steve. All right, this is a clip from the episode. Here we go. With 35% of the votes... The winner of the Battle of Rush is Steve. 35% of the votes. Wow. What is that? Like one, you're off by like a vote or two? I really I'm actually got... pulling it up as we speak because now I know the results. Right. And it is three. Three votes wow. separated three votes? first and second. And then one vote separated second and third. Wow. It was that close. Wow. A huge thank you to both Steve and Jerry from the Something for Nothing podcast. If you're a Rush fan, highly suggest checking their stuff out if you want to get a Rush fix. These are the guys to get it from. Can't wait to collaborate with them on another Rush episode in the future. So how about that, Jer? I'm the winner. Yes, you're the winner. Um, <laughs> do we know who came in second? We don't know the answer to that question. You came in second. You came in second. I checked with Brian Colburn, who's the host of Playlist Wars, along with Gomez. It was three more votes that I had than you. Hmm. So I had three more votes than you, and you had one more vote than Brian. That's how close it was. That's very, very close. I should have done a little more, uh, I don't know, electioneering maybe on my own behalf. You know what it is? And I said this on the episode and I'll say I it know. again. You should have picked available light, baby. <laughs> That's what put me over the top. Three more votes available light. 
Yeah. That was fun, though. It was fun. Coming up with those. And Brian's right. We need to collaborate with him again on another episode. Obviously, it's Brian's podcast, so it's up to him. I wonder what we'll do. I don't know. We could always have him again on our podcast. We can do that, too. Start coming up with ideas, Jer. Oh, yeah. Okay. So back to Sunlight on Chrome, Jer. Before we wrap up, let's recount this one more time. The event is happening the weekend of July 29th. It's called Sunlight on Chrome. And you can follow Bill on Twitter, at Sunlight on Chrome. As he mentioned, the O is missing in the word Chrome. Must have been taken by some other Rush fan, I bet. I bet it was, yeah. (laughs) On Facebook, he's Sunlight on Chrome. And on Instagram, he's at Sunlight underscore on underscore Chrome. Again, a Rush fan probably took the other one. That's right. (laughs) But there, Chrome is spelled, it has the O in it. It has the O. And you can donate at the link on his pages and he's looking for donations of $29 in the hopes of raising $2,112 and I think we could probably do that for him I bet our listeners enough of them will donate that he'll meet that goal yeah I hope so I'll donate you're gonna donate Steve oh absolutely I was thinking 2112 but if he wants 29 29 it is I would do the math and try to figure out the difference between 2112 and 29. (laughs) It'll take me a little while. He says if he gets 80 people to donate, he will make his goal. That's not a lot to ask, I don't think. No, I think it's a good idea. So we have to decide what we're going to do, Jer. We don't have to do it together if you don't want to. If your idea of excellence isn't hanging out with me, I understand. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see how I feel on the day, Steve. How about that? Okay, you can find us on Twitter. We are at Rush Fancast. Instagram, find us at The Rushcast. Email Jerry, TheRushcast at gmail.com. The bass intro and outro. That's Lex. And I think I know what your quote's going to be, Jer. Hit me with it. Do you really, Steve? It's from Red Barchetta, is it not? <laughs> it is. Of course it is. Well-weathered leather, hot metal and oil, the scented country air, sunlight on chrome, the blur of the landscape, every nerve aware. Indeed. Thanks, Jer. See you later.